You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Works of our hands for blessing us, for increasing us, for multiplying us. Thank you for an assurance of your love. More than anything, more than any material gain, we thank you for your love. We are extremely grateful for your love because it is because of your love that we are. And so we are grateful for this love. We invite you, we ask that you take your place. Speak to us tonight. Reveal the truth of your word to us. We have not come to listen to man. We ask, Father, that you feed us tonight. Nourish our souls. Let us live here refreshed, renewed, re-energized, recharged, restored, liberated, free, free from the wiles of the enemy, free from the deceits, the shackles of sin, and the lies that have held us down. All of this and more we pray and receive through Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good evening, church. Good evening, everyone. Please have your seats. Okay, so um, multimedia, if you can assist me with the timer. I'm not averse to the timer. Hallelujah. Would you smile at the person sitting beside you and just welcome them to church? Ask them how their day was. Hopefully they had a good day, a lovely day, an amazing day, a great day. Ask them what the rest of the week is looking like. Friday is what? Coming. Ah, okay. Yeah, so can we just take a few seconds and speak into the rest of the week? So ask your neighbor, what is the rest of the week looking like? And let's use that. We're in God's presence. And so the words that we speak, they are life. They produce life. So if you've, not, if you've had a not very good week all through or, you know, the earlier part of this week, now is a good opportunity to speak into the rest of the week and just make a declaration, a prophetic declaration over the rest of the week. All the things that you have begun, they are culminating in great results. You know, the works of your hands are yielding and producing fruits. Quantiful, uh, quantifiable, beautiful fruits in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so how many of you were in church last Wednesday when PI spoke about how to recover from what now? Heartbreak. Yes, thank you. How many people were in service? Because I'm building on that. Uh, okay. Quite a few of us. Nice. Right. Um, so, I did remember one of the things that he said, you know, when he was trying to sing to us and tell us how some of us would sit and meditate over the heartbreak and refuse to move from there, you know, and there are certain songs you listen to. I remembered that, that service, the kind of songs that I listened to when I did experience my own type of heartbreak back in the days. Um, I'm not even sure those songs are very relevant now, or whether you guys even know that. I'm not that old, by the way. But uh, I know, so I can't sing to save my life. 
So I won't try to sing any of them, but I will mention them in case you know you guys. Someone like Damilari can help me sing it, you know, or Emmanuel or, you know. Okay, so I am, what's her name now? Mariah Carey. Uh, when you left, I lost a part of me. How many people know that song? Mm. Is it, it's recent, you sure? It's not recent, so it's old. Yes, we belong together. 2009, okay. Eh. It can't be old. It should be older than that. Um, okay, but I remember this old one by, uh, what you might call his name now? So that's the problem. I can't even remember their names now. Joe. How many of you know Joe? Mm, how many people listen to Joe? He's not, he's not really old. Joe is old. Well, so what are you trying to say? Your point is... Anyway, so there was, there was a particular song by Joe... Then um, these guys, boys to men, can we go back to the... I will not complete the song. <laughs> anyway, you, I, I had those uh, songs then that I used to listen to. Interestingly, I remember thinking that song, how come? The only Christian song I remember, well, let me not say I'm aware existed then, but that I was familiar with because I was actually born again then, so it wasn't as though I didn't... Um, uh, what you might call it now, I didn't used to listen to Christian songs or anything, or gospel songs. But the only song that had anything to do with healing my heart was this, um, Heal my heart and show yourself strong, and in my heart, be, ma be magnified, yes. That was, but that was even more a praise song. It was not a recovery song per se for me, it did not, but those other songs just, it helped, it's, bottom line, it made me stay in there. In, I was not recovering, I was getting worse. Okay, so let me quickly talk about my, my own uh, story, my, my journey, just a bit. So I was in a relationship that ended for, I think it was my 100 level. I just got into uni then. And there was a bit of story before I started that relationship. And it was essentially that I had an accident. I was alone, you know, recovering and all of that and all of that stuff. And then this guy who happened to be friend's friend, met me, and I was not in the mood to be friendly with anybody. I was actually very, very not nice in that season of my life because I was still upset with God for allowing me to be involved in that accident. I had gotten a lot of teasing and because I had to have on a big thing around my neck and my jaw. I had a fractured jaw that had to be um, wired together so it could heal, so my mouth could heal properly. You know, so I was in the midst of all of that. So it was shortly after I recovered, and then this guy sort of just took me on. I didn't know then, but later I got to know. Like he kind of like just took me on as an assignment. Like why would I say a very good-looking young man? He was born again. He sort of checked all the physical boxes for me. You know, and then he he knew God. He feared God. He loved God. He was a church boy, fellowship boy. But he was, you know, those cool, nice types of fellowship boys, a, a, a mix of a PFA in his former life and a Sholalawa. Uh -huh. For those of you who know PFA, is one behind there. Let me call him out. PFA used to be a club chief. Yeah? Uh -huh. He was a club boy, bottom line. So, and then you now know Pastor Sholalawa. The guy was a good blend of both. He was balanced. Anyway, we started this uh, so-called relationship Alas, he would come to my, my hostel then. 
And in school back then, we used to have these um, posters that girls used to decorate their lockers, their, their yeah, wardrobes and all. And then it ranged, it ranged from um, Cinderella posters and all. Anyway, there was this Pocahontas one. I can never forget. It, yeah, I think it was Pocahontas. And if you notice, for the ladies here, all them Cinderella, them, 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 their feet are always small, right? The pictures, at least the pictures they show us, or the pictures we, had, um, we used to see then. Feet, small feet and all. And so every time, I had one just right in front of my locker there. Every time this guy would come by my hostel to see me, um, you know, we're talking and everything, he'd be like, oh, he was, oh, he was always talking about the Pocahontas feet and how that was tiny and how that, you know, he really liked girls with tiny feet. I should have known that. I mean, that's where the first red flag or the, the, the warning bell should have rang in my head. I didn't make much of it, but I looked at myself. I looked at my feet. There was no way on earth that my feet could be that tiny. Or it, there was no way. I've always been, you know, big. I was not going to be tiny. But I didn't. So he was always talking about a girl that he can carry. This guy is bigger than me. So I just thought, ah, you should be able to carry me now, you know. But all of that still didn't make me feel anyhow. After a while, the conversation graduated. I said something about some ex relationship of his or an ex of his who happened to have been his cousin's cousin. I just thought that was so weird. The girl was tiny. Eventually, at some family function, a birthday, I met the girl and I was like, oh, wow, she's really tiny, <laughs> you know. So fast track, fast track, fast track. And me, if you know me, I'm very, I can be stubborn. The Lord has helped me. And so sometimes we're having conversations. I was in a, a church fellowship. Then he wanted me to leave. And I just thought, who are you? <laughs> Why would you want me to leave? So he, I was in 100 level. He was in 400 level. He just said, oh, no, he didn't like the fellowship. I needed to leave, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, from where to where? Now, calm down. You have not even married me. Why are the instructions? Uh, so one day we're having a conversation and was so upset about fellowship and different things. And so he took off his wristwatch and gave it to me to hold. And I said, why am I holding your wristwatch? He said, because he didn't want to throw it. That He was getting very upset and so he wanted to throw his wristwatch. I just thought, okay, this guy must really care about me so much that this matter is really burning his body, you know, like it's peppering him. Why isn't, you know, I just thought, in my mind, the way I was interpreting the matters was just completely warped. Uh, fast track, fast track, fast track. We, less than three months, we broke up. He ended the relationship. And so there began my issues because we had talked about getting married. Don't, now don't judge me. But I was coming from no friend zone into this guy that all my friends were sort of envious about that how on earth. Interestingly, I realized that my, the friend who even introduced both of us used to like him or liked him a great deal then, and I'd hoped that something was going to happen between them. So here I was, I didn't do much. I got the boy, and so, but the boy then said, no, do again. And I couldn't deal with the shame and the hurt, and I was so upset. I was extremely upset. I, I cried, because it was my first serious relationship, and so it was a big deal for me. But anyway... All of the songs that I was listening to then kept me in the zone. 
So I would pray to God. I would cry my eyes out at, um, you know, cry my eyes out in the place of prayer. I would listen to those songs, end back in the same place. I wasn't making progress, essentially. You just would be ruined in the zone, the heartbreak zone. I know what was then very scary was I somewhat refused to accept the I'm not doing again, you know, feedback from him. It was such a struggle to accept it because I guess also because of my temperament and the way I was wired, I'd never been rejected. I always had guys chase me, don't judge and don't say anything. <laughs> but so the first person I didn't say a yes to, I thought I expected better. You will not dump me. I should dump you. You were not permitted to dump me. And so it was a mix of pride, anger, hurt, and all of that. And I did really like him. And so I just refused to accept. And I started questioning what were the things that were wrong. Okay, there was nothing I can do about the height. I can't do anything about the feet. What can I do, you know? Um, in school then, we used to read at nights and we'll go to classes to read. And he was in a department where they, they typically worked all night or something. It was like all them, it was in urban and regional planning or so. And so their classrooms were very accessible. I remember I would tell my friends, then, let's go and read in urban and regional planning. But why? No, let's go there. And because of the way I was, my friends would, okay, let's go. And some days I would go and read there alone. I remember this particular time, I can never, in fact, the shame almost killed me. I then went to read there in his class alone with the hope that we will see, if he sees me, maybe he'll change his mind, you know, maybe we'll talk a bit, you know. I just had hopes. And so we got, I got there and he was working on his project. We're still very civil. We're like some friends. I mean, we used to talk to each other when we see. And so he was, by this time, meanwhile, he had started a new relationship with a tiny girl. Yeah, a tiny black girl. Exactly. And so I was, the, I was very angry, very angry. And so I went there that night. He was working on his project. He had to do some design, whatever, whatever. That involved a lot of cutting and sticking and pasting stuff. <laughs> You would assume or you expect that um, I would give myself brains. So sometimes when I speak to people and they tell me how that love makes them do stupid things, I don't think mine was, was love, to be honest. But I think sometimes you're in a zone and you really just are very stupid. Because that was what was it with me that period. You know how it is that you step back from a situation and you're like, how on earth did you do that? That was the class, the, a classic example of, of, of what I was, uh, or what I'm speaking about. I went there and I started talking to him. Oh, he was working on this thing. The girl was there. And I said, oh, okay. I can. She was helping out. I said, oh, sure, I can help out too. And it was very exact. It was my own. Did he ask for my help? Mba. I don't know what, what, what I thought. Maybe the helping would get him to change. The guy was or has moved on. And so I asked for the thing they were using to court. He gave it to me very hesitantly. I saw the girl walking on her own cutting. It was looking very neat. Alas, your sister began to cut. <laughs> By the time I was done with the cutting, 
you know just the, way, the way you watch it in movies when the guy then says, uh, and tries to be nice about the feedback? Mm, that was exactly what happened. My one was not film. It happened in real life. I looked at what I did. I looked at what the girl did. Hi. I wanted to enter the ground. Like you have now you finally succeeded in finishing you. Whatever little respect or rep you had you, has just gone as in it's, it's over. And he was like, oh, so you, I think it's because your hands are not tiny. Ah! <laughs> and you know, at that point, I just thought, hmm, okay. Thank God that I was born again. Because this boy deserves a slap. This tiny thing has come up again. You know, and he goes, oh, he mentions the girls. He says, so I, she can work with her hands because they're tiny. Hi. And my own hands are not tiny. Okay. I, so, Kylie discarded what I did, and you know, you would think that I would get up with my, sh you know, out of shame, carry my books or what was left of my books and what was left of my, sh of my pride and be going to my room at all. I sat there and continued to read the book. I was just looking at the book and watching them. And by the time they were done, in the morning, I carried my books when they carried their own books too. As they were going in front, I was walking behind. Honestly, don't judge me. I cannot explain it to you. I think about it, I'm like, what was going on in your mind? What, what was it you were dealing with? As in, I don't, it's, what have you experienced before that made you feel like it was either this guy or nothing? So it was a classic, my, my, my own, um, episode of stalking, I guess, because I don't know what to call that. And I remember getting back to my room and just weeping out of shame. It was shame. It, wasn't, it was just shame, pure shame. Like, what did you do to yourself? You know? Um, so that sort of left a, 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 a dent. I still had guys come and all, but it then became a function of you had to be better than this guy. This guy became the benchmark, he became the standard. You had to be better than him. You had to be better looking, you had to be more born again, if there was anything, you know, <laughs> more spiritual. I have to show this guy that he missed out on something. And so that became my mission. I wasn't actively looking for relationships, to be honest, but eventually, I mean, people would come and all. But guess what? I started to attract a very strange set of humans. Very interesting and weird set of human beings, you know. People with uh, ex-girlfriend issues, people with just different, different categories of issues. You know, they would come and I'd be like, God, I deserve better. What's going on here? Until one day the Holy Spirit said to me, you would attract who you are. You would attract who you are until you deal with these things. You know, which largely, you know, a huge percentage of it, you, you cost them anyway. But until you deal with this. So for me, I, w I always wanted the guy had to be taller. He had to be bigger, you know, well-built, short boys. No way. No chance. After somebody had told me that I was not tiny. So, you know, I had all of these expectations in my mind. For those who know my husband, they will know that he's not, he's not much taller than I am, actually. <laughs> He isn't, but God does wonders. When the Lord heals you of your stupidity, 
you become better. So that was my own experience in a nutshell. And tonight we're talking about just baggage. How do you deal with your baggage? How do you deal with whatever mess it is that you are, you are carrying? Because guess what? It makes you unhealthy and un, unfit. It makes you unwhole, if there's any word like that, for the next phase of your life, for the next, for, for your marriages, for, you, for whatever relationships you're getting into. It could even be business relationships sometimes. Um, so the first thing we need to do is to be self-aware. How do you even know that you have, you're carrying a baggage? I was not very self-aware then. I mean, I was, what, 15 or 16-year-old. I can't even remember. I think I was 16. I got into uni in 16, 15 or 16. I wasn't very self-aware. I just thought, yeah, these expectations, God-fearing, fine boy. He had a vision. He knew where he was going. I didn't have much. But I realized that I could have controlled the conversation if I was very self-aware. So all that, you have small feet, you don't have small feet, I want to marry again, I have small feet, and type of matters I could have dealt with there and then and moved on, you know. But how do you know that you're carrying baggage? And what kind of baggage are you carrying? I find sometimes that our experiences in the past affect us very negatively that it then informs our decisions in the future. So you see how I mentioned that I became very, very particular about the type of, in terms of physical out, outward appearance, the kind of guy that I wanted to be with, it was, very, it was a big deal for me. Excuse me. It was because where I was coming from, the guy, I mean, whoever was coming had to be better than my past. And so some of us, are in that face where it is you've had a negative experience, you've been in a relationship, you've gotten burnt, or maybe it's, a, it's even been a function of certain things that were said to you growing up, certain things that have been said to you by the opposite, uh, by the, you know, the opposite gender, and you can't handle that, those comments. What it has then done to you is to create certain expectations, create, uh, you know, some sort of unspoken or unwritten rules that guide your decisions. Meanwhile, would you recognize that as a child of God, you should allow God be in control. You should allow him make these decisions. He guide you through these decisions. But we completely leave God out of the picture. Why? Because we are reacting to things that have been said. We are reacting to things that have been done to us in certain instances. So possibly you've been in a relationship, you've been poorly treated. You've been abused, taken advantage of, and so you have vowed it will never happen to you. Now, what kind of person took, an, uh, took advantage of you? It was a tall, fair-skinned girl. And so, all fair-skinned girls are dash, dash, dash. We make, did somebody just say yes? So? <laughs> we make generalizations. We build this generalizations up. And so when God is even trying to walk, we cannot hear anything. Why? Because the walls have gone up. Our defense mechanism, a nuclear bomb cannot pass through at all. So what are the baggages that you're carrying? Or what baggage are you carrying? What experiences have you had 
what negative experiences have you had that may have informed your position and your stance without you even knowing it sometimes. I find that sometimes you don't even know, you're not very aware that the reason why you have made certain decisions about your relationship, your marriage, or your marital destiny, about your children, the kind of man you will marry, the kind of woman you will marry, the kind of relationships you're even ever going to get into, the kind of business relationships you would have in some cases, the kind of people you will employ sometimes is founded not because the Holy Spirit was leading you, but largely because of a negative experience that you have had where somebody misbehaved, somebody treated you wrongly. And so the question is, how do we deal with all of these hurts? And, and, and P.I. did an amazing job teaching us that last week, so I'm not going to go into that. So just take everything that he said in recovering and dealing with hurts and, you know, past negative experiences. My work here tonight is to join the Holy Spirit in building on, on that, on, on that foundation that has been laid. Sometimes your negative experiences are, if I may use the word, stepping stones, or use the phrase, stepping stones towards purpose. Sometimes purpose is actually encoded in your negative experiences. I mean, nobody prays to be abused. Nobody prays to be hurt. Nobody prays to, to be treated unfairly or wrongly. Nobody prays for that. But you find that some of the things that have happened to you in the past, if only you would be a bit aware, let God heal you and let God walk through those experiences. If only you would let go of those experiences and just trust God with them. Sometimes your experiences are actually things, if you like mine, that you caused by yourself. You put yourself in the situation, smack in the middle of it. But still, God is merciful and he's absolutely kind. And it's, he doesn't desire that you sit in there and, and just continue to roll in that mess. He wants to bring out beauty. He wants to, you know, show forth his glory through your life because you are his masterpiece. But a lot of times we don't let him do what he wants to do. And I'll give you an example of someone in the scriptures, Joseph. When we were talking about offense a few weeks back, P.I. used the story of Joseph and even Jesus. But let's, let's stick with Joseph. How that Joseph, I mean, what more? Where some of us are hurting and we have refused to date because we were betrayed. You have refused to have a best friend because your best friend cheated with you. How do you even speak the grammar now? Cheated on you with your boyfriend or whatever. And so you have sworn never to have anything to do with her or him. But here was Joseph. I mean, how bad can, he, can that get? Your brothers, your flesh and blood, you push here, you are from the same source. First of all, they want to kill you. That was their plan, to kill you. And then somebody steps in and allows them to sell you. They don't look back. 
he gets into Potiphar's house, you know, he can be carrying that burden and that anger. Because, you see, sometimes we read the story of Joseph and we feel like the guy was just, I don't know. But, I mean, if I was Joseph, every waking moment, what's that song the band sang? Every moment, every bit meditating on the matter. How could my brothers do this to me? How could they betray me? I have a, a home, parents, my own bedroom. Here I am a slave. To think that they wanted to sell, uh, they wanted to kill me. And then they sold me. There's a way you can go on and on and on and just keep meditating. And you get comfortable in your pain. That could have been Joseph's experience. So much so that when Potiphar's wife would then have approached him, it would have just been, you know, at least I'm valued here. You know how it is when you are rejected and then you find someone who showers you love and attention and all of that stuff and it just feels like, oh, you are seeing what they are not seeing, right? You are seeing what the glass guy did not see. That could have been his experience. At least you are seeing me. And we all want to be seen, right? You want to be seen. You want to be affirmed. You want to be recognized. That could have been him. Oh, Joseph, you, you are so good looking. Extremely, as in, I can't. And because scripture records that day after day, she kept pressing him. So it was not a one-off. It was that she would come and have the conversation with him again. She would come. And say those sweet nothings to him again. I don't know, what do, you, what do you guys call it now? In my days, we say toast. What do people do now? What do you do? Okay, people don't do anything. You talk. Okay, well, not vex. She will come and talk to him. Toast him. Deal with it. She will come and toast him and say those things to him. And love on him and, you know, possibly buy him gifts. Tell him how he's the best servant in the house. Possibly even tell him, look, you are better looking than my husband. And he could have functioned from his place of pain. Because to be honest, we do that. And sometimes we justify our actions. And, and we, we, we pack it at the doorstep of what it is that we have experienced, what it is we have gone through. He could have done that. But he didn't. And then he gets lied upon and gets framed to worsen it and ends up in the real prison. And in prison, he could have been meditating on how he was betrayed by his brothers, how he was framed by his boss's wife with all that I did to them, how I served them diligently, how I was true to them. How I solved problems there. So much so that the master of the house handed it all to me. Gave me everything in the house to be in charge of. That means I was doing something right. And with all my right doing, I still end up here. He could have stayed meditating on that. But you see, if he had, he would have missed a moment and it was just a moment. And it was the moment where he needed to see the dull and sad faces of the butler and the baker. 
Because there's a way you can get soaked up in your problems. You can get so consumed by your negative experiences that you miss the hand of God. You miss out on what he's doing. Because God doesn't need to dazzle you to do his work. When I mean dazzle now, he does not have to. So if, if uh, what's, what's his name now? The king, Pharaoh, had come in to the prison to hang out. Nah, he won't hang out. Coming to pay a visit to the prisoners to observe what was going on in prison. Joseph would have been alert, right? Like you and I would. We would take advantage of the moment. The president is coming to Life Point Church next Sunday. We will all show up in service. Some of you will probably bring, bring your pitch decks. It's church. The man wants to come and worship God, but you will come looking for an opportunity to pitch to him. But just imagine if Pharaoh had come into prison, Joseph would have been on his best behavior. He would have been aware of his circumstance, you know, aware of the situation around him. But hey, this was everyday occurrence. Take care of the prisoners. And so, in the course of taking care of prisoners, his fellow prisoners, he was chief prisoner. He was aware, he observed the faces of the butler and the baker. Laid aside his own issues to address theirs. Are you following me tonight? Regardless of whatever experience it is that you are having or that you have had in the past. A broken relationship. Rejection, parental issues, whatever, failed businesses, you were kicked out of your job. And so you have vowed you will never work for a Lebanese company again because they don't know how to treat their staff right. Your ex-boyfriend that was mean to you was a Yoruba boy. All Yoruba boys are demons. Your own was an Igbo boy. Igbo boys are what now? If your bad boys are demons, Igbo boys are wizards or what? What are house boys? And so we just enter into this whole generalization. And we miss out on what God is doing. Aside from your own experience, sometimes... It is other people's experiences that inform your position and the baggage. You're not carrying your baggage. You are carrying other people's baggage. Your friend that have relationship, you know, you took the matter on your head more than she did to fight the battle. And so you have vowed. Her boyfriend used to yell at her. I will never date a boy that would if you try, if there's an appearance of you trying to raise, if you open that mouth, if I sound you, you have taken it very personal. So it's, you don't even wait for the actual action. It's an appearance of it. I remember having a conversation with a young lady who was planning to get married. And her phone rings and her fiance calls her. And she starts to raise her voice and she starts to yell. I was taken aback. What's going on here? Calm down, madam. By the time she was done with the phone call, 
she tries to tell me a bit of what's going on with her. She was like, oh, he starts to say to me, I should listen to me. Because I, at our own end, I could hear our own conversation. She was saying, don't tell me to listen to you. You listen to me. And, you know, I was like, so what was all that about? By the time we were done talking, I realized that it was what, what she heard from the guy was what her father used to say to her mother and always ended up in a fight. And so she had vowed that she was never going to allow a man talk to her like that. I mean, it's, it's good that you have principles and obviously I would not encourage, you know, any woman being poorly treated or even a man being poorly treated in a relationship. Absolutely not. There's no reason for it. There's no justification for it. However, there are times that you recognize that people were from very different backgrounds, right? Very different backgrounds. In your house, like my daughter now, when I'm at home and I yell sometimes, I say, mommy, use your indoor voice, indoor voice, indoor voice. So something's worrying you and this indoor voice, you know? But when I was growing up, we did not necessarily use indoor voice. You, won't, you yell for what you want. And I'm even better that my husband is not here. But the reality is we are from very different backgrounds. It's not, it's not necessarily a function of because he does something that looks very closely like what you have seen happen in your uncle and aunt's marriage. And so you are not going to stand for it or you simply just end the relationship. No room for discussion, no mercy, nothing. There are certain things, around, I mean, if he, if he hits you, uh, that's unacceptable. But there are, there are other things, subtle things, which you believe your mom was not wise enough to have rejected, and so you are not going to take it. Other people's experiences, we carry that baggage, and we keep going with it. We keep going with it. We keep building our decisions on it or on them. There is also the culture. Culture has told us certain things. I mean, if you're in Nigeria, you are very much familiar with all the Yoruba and Igbo drama, right? Your parents have told you, you cannot marry an Igbo man. You cannot marry a Yoruba man. You cannot marry a Hausa man. Or a Hausa, is it A or A now? An, yeah. Hausa woman. And so, you have been, you, you, that has been ingrained in you. So much so that once they, once they pass by, like you are not even, are, you, you are not slowing down, giving them room. Where is God in all of this, guys? Where is God in all of this? When we build, we set expectations based on experiences. We set expectations based on other people's experiences, based on what culture dictates. And sometimes culture is, sort, is not, it's not you. It is what you've been handed down. And you have to live by it. Where is God in all of this? Some people will never do business with an Igbo man. Why? Not because you have had an experience where they duped you. But because you have heard that all Igbo men are frauds. And so you go on with that. There's all of that tribal war going on. Across the world, there are racial issues ongoing too. 
Some marital destinies have been truncated because parents have not allowed their children marry someone from another race. And then they go off and then they, you know, they just, without parental blessing and consent, they just go and do their thing. So scripture says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 to 25, it says the Amplified uh, Translation, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall become united and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There is the leaving that has to happen before the cleaving. And so the question to you tonight is what do you need to leave? I hope you know or you are aware that you do not leave on the day before you get married. When I'm talking leaving, I'm not talking about just physical leaving or physical relocation. I'm talking about even just what happens with you mentally, what happens to you emotionally. Some marriages have or are struggling today. Why? Because that leaving has not quite happened for one of the, you know, one of the parties involved. Someone is still very stuck to their parents. Someone is still very dependent on their parents. And so you guys have seen a lot of movies. If you've not heard stories, I'm sure you've seen movies around this where, you, you know, every issue, mommy and daddy have to intervene. And so when they intervene, your, either your husband or your wife starts to feel threatened, very threatened by what's going on. So the living starts. How do you live? You live, living here is used in terms of preparation. So how do you prepare yourself? If you say you want to get married, what preparations are you currently engaging? How are you preparing spiritually? How are you preparing physically? How are you preparing financially? How are you preparing emotionally? There's a lot of preparation that needs to happen so that the living is smooth and then the cleaving can happen where you both become one, naked and unashamed. In the process of that living, being self-aware is extremely important. Knowing the things that you stand for, knowing your values, your belief systems, and ensuring that you guys are on the same page, extremely important. Talking about, you know, plans for the future. Sometimes it's in the course of having these conversations, you realize the baggages that you're carrying. You realize the filters that exist in your mind. And what happens with filters, it, it, it hinders you from enjoying the blessings that God has instituted in marriage. Because marriage is God's design. So whether it's for your relationship, which hopefully you're looking to, that should get you into being married. What are the filters that exist that you need to leave, that you need to, you know, take down? Filters of race. What other filters exist, guys? How you seeing life? How you seeing the opposite gender? There's so much ongoing now with the whole feminism and feminist movement. Mm. But you need to be careful that you're not viewing, you know, you're not viewing life through just those lenses. I hope to God that you're viewing life through God's lenses. You're viewing the institution called marriage through God's lenses. 
so that you can be equipped for what lies ahead. God is looking for us in our generation to build homes for him. To build homes for him where he will be glorified. Where his name will be proclaimed through the seeds that come from our home. The seeds of righteousness that should grow into trees of righteousness that should be plantings of the Lord. But you see, when you are dealing with your baggage, you can't see clearly. You are enmeshed in your own issues. And so you react from that place. You relate with, you know, whoever is coming along from that place. You don't give them an opportunity to prove themselves. Why? Because you have all of these things going on in your life. So you need to know where you're going in the process of living, in that living stage, that living phase. Where are you going? Where is this going? Where are we going with this? This conversation, this relationship, where is it taking us to? You look out for mindsets and filters in yourself and even in your intended. The person it is you're in a relationship with, if you are in a relationship, what are the mindsets that exist? What are the filters that you guys need to talk about? Unspoken rules. I was having a conversation with a couple I was counseling recently and I said to them, look, what are your expectations? What are your expectations? Because I realized that a lot of times we don't talk about our expectations before we get married. So I mean, they're the big things. The big things around, oh yes, where are we going to live? And all. But there are smaller issues that become issues eventually when unaddressed. So things like, you, you, you'd be amazed the things we hear. Cultural influences. The wife is, she's, you are a banker. Long hours, late nights. And your husband wants a, a fresh pot of soup every evening. How will that happen? How? Unless you are ordering the pot of soup though. Oh no, it has to be cooked by you. It has to be prepared by you. Why? I mean, that may be extreme, but there are other issues too that you find that when people don't talk about. So things around money management. Who's going to be responsible for our finances in this home? And then you hear the woman say, my money is my money. Your money is our money. So, what do we do? Do we understand our money mindset and our money emotions? Recognizing who owns the role of being the accountant of the family to ensure that we are investing and saving appropriately. Whose, resp whose responsibility is that? But you see, sometimes, and I, I speak to a few people and I realize on the side of the guy, He's not the one that has the expertise to manage the money. However, ego trips. I'm the man, so I'm in charge. How about we recognize where our strengths lie? But you see, he is functioning from a place of an experience which he's not aware of unconsciously because where he's coming from, his father was in charge. His father was in charge of the family finances. And so by right, by default, he expects to be in charge. Even when he's not skilled or graced for it. And so these are questions you need to ask yourself. What are those things that will rile you? What are those things that will get you 
you know, to that place where you don't want to get to. In your relationship. Taking us back to being self-aware also. So who do you need to leave is my last question to you. Or what do you need to leave to enable you cleave appropriately? To enable you cleave as God has designed for you? Who or what do you need to leave? Some people need to leave an ex. You have left him or remember the word is ex. You are not in a relationship anymore. But he's controlling your new relationship. He's controlling your life. Because everything you do, you measure against him. You benchmark your decisions against what will XXX have said. Or your relationship, your, your, your new fiance or whatever is constantly hearing about your ex. And same for the guy too. Oh, this is how this person prepares this meal. This is how this person walks. This is how this person talks. This is how this person does this. Oh, this person is extremely good at it. And you start to compare. Some people need to leave parents. And I don't mean that in a funny way. Our parents are amazing. But you need to begin to pray about your parents. Because you recognize that where they are taking you to is their own destiny, not yours. And so you need to be very sensitive and let the Holy Spirit help you with that, that mix because it can be a very tricky mix. Some people need to leave friends. Your friends have done more damage, more harm than good when it comes to your marital destiny. Some people, the what's, some people need to leave certain types of materials that you have been consuming that have given you a funny picture of who a woman is or what a woman should be doing. That have made you objectify a woman in your mind. So much so that when you see that jewel, that priceless person that God has, you know, packaged for you, you will just do her anyhow. Why? The things you're consuming. For women, some, I mean, back in those days then, what did we used to read? Meals and Boons, Temptation, all those books that would tell you and they lived happily ever after. The girl, the girl was going and then she sprained her ankle and the guy came and carried her and put her on his shoulder. In this Lagos hot sun. <laughs> and so when that happens, you're wondering, oh, I sprained my shoulder and, uh, sorry, my, my ankle and... He, he, he just said, sorry, Pele. that's all really. Or he's not a gentleman enough. He doesn't open doors for the car, uh, car doors for me to get into. You will stay there. He did not see his father do it. Except he wants to just be deliberate about it and add it to, you know, we need to, be, we, we need to ask ourselves very sincere questions. What are deal breakers? I've seen people end relationships because of things like that. He's not a gentleman. He doesn't open doors. He doesn't carry my handbag. Is he your slave? Sometimes. I mean, if he does that for you sometimes, enjoy it. But if you expect that by the time people marry, and the man is hustling, looking for money to pay house rent and all those things, the day he forgets to open the door, don't take it personal. 
it's not our climb. It's not, it's, I mean, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not what our men grew up seeing. Which is why we're trusting God and the, the amazing message P.I. preached last Sunday. We're trusting God for a new generation of men. Life points men that are different. That celebrate women. That take care of women. That respect women. That can open car doors. We don't mind. We like it. We'll be happy to enter the car if you open the door. But my point is this. Is that a deal breaker for you? You need to ask yourselves. Because a... Okay, let me leave this card, op card door opening matter. But you, I hope you guys understand where I'm getting at with all of this. There are certain things that you have shot yourselves in the foot because you had these unmet expectations. Where did those expectations come from? And then men, oh, my, my, my mother always knelt down to serve my father his meal. So if you don't kneel down is, is, is an issue. But guess what? You won't talk about it. You don't talk about it. You're quiet about it, but you're unhappy about it. Oh, I expect that you should make me breakfast before I go to work. I mean, these are, okay, yeah. So what do you read? What do you watch? The marriage of your parents or the people around you? Is that what you're using? Is that the yardstick? There are amazing marriages that we can benchmark, that we can learn from. Guess what? Not all marriages are perfect. Not all, not every part of a marriage is perfect. Even the people that we believe have done it, thriving in it, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of marriage. If you sit with them, they will tell you stories. You'll be amazed. But this is our microwave generation. We want it all perfect from the onset. It's, it doesn't work like that. And some of us have put the burden of healing from our experiences. We have put it on, our, on the person we want to marry. You have put that, your wholeness, you have hinged it on marriage. When I marry, I will become whole. When I marry, I will, be he I, I will heal. And so he becomes your Jesus. And so when the guy is falling short, you are going crazy. Because you have put that burden on him. He doesn't own that burden. He can't heal you. Getting married will not heal you. Getting married will not make you whole. Marriage can, and there's a difference. There's a difference between getting married and marriage. Marriage is a journey, it's a process. It means that you submit to the process and allow God to do his work in both your lives as you stay married. However, we get married and we want a miracle. Oh, don't you, your, your daddy issues, you bring it to the man. The man or your mommy issues, she becomes, you, she, you, she starts to mother you, she must mother you. And so there's a lot of expectation that we place on ourselves. Unconsciously. It's based on the baggage. It's because of the baggages that we're carrying. Okay, so. Baggages show up in the ways that you think and behave, ultimately. What kind of atmosphere exists in your life? What kind of atmosphere is around you? I spoke about Joseph. I'm, I'm just trying to imagine the kind of atmosphere that must have been around him to allow him move from that place of hurt and rejection and betrayal and still be dutiful. You know, yeah, so there's the, there's the, uh, there's the blessing factor that Joseph enjoyed. 
the fact that the hand of God was upon his life, so everything that he did prospered. But it was everything he did. He had to do. He had to do. It wasn't that Joseph sat and was thinking and meditating on his issues and God was just blessing him and allowing him shine. Absolutely not. Joseph was up and doing. He was getting stuff done. He was relying on the wisdom of God to shine. And God was blessing the works of his hands. But he put himself through the process. And so what kind of atmosphere have you created around your life with your negative experiences? What kind of atmosphere exists around your life with other people's experiences, with cultural expectations, with mindsets and belief systems that are not hinged or founded on the word of God? Tonight, you need to propose in your heart to change such atmospheres. Let the atmosphere over you be that of joy. Let it be that of love. Let it be that of forgiveness. Where you release your ex. You release your parents for words spoken over you. Sometimes brokenness messes up your sense of self-identity. And like I explained earlier, that our baggage sometimes hinders God's work in our lives. Because if Joseph had not been sensitive to, his, to, to the needs of others around him, he may have missed out on that moment for the palace. He may have missed out on it. And you know, it didn't even happen like this. It was a process. Same thing with marriage. So if you're looking to get married and you are expecting that the guy has to be this, 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 I mean, it's great. Have your expectations. I had my list. Have your expectations. Trust God. Pray. But prepare yourself also. The things that you're expecting your wife to be, to, to be. Are you the same? Are you that person? You want to marry a queen? Are you a king? Ask yourself that question. Am I a king? Am I preparing myself for a queen? Or am I still anyhow? So tonight, guys, can we exchange our baggages? Can we lay down that baggage of pain, that baggage of hurt, that baggage of rejection, that baggage of guilt, guilt that is holding you down and not allowing you fully express who you are. You are hiding yourself. You are hiding your light. Why? Because you don't think you're deserving. You feel as though I've messed up. I know good Nothing good can come out. Would you put down that baggage tonight? Would you exchange it for the grace and the love of Jesus? Would you put down that baggage of, of anger and bitterness and pain and just let the love of God rule your heart? What do you need to leave? I ask that question again, and I'm just very quickly reminded of the story of uh, Rachel. When she was going to leave her father's house, Bible speaks about Jacob packing up his family and, you know, them deciding to go. But she goes and she carries her father's idols. And, you know, for the life of me, every time I read that scripture, I wonder why. Why was she still so stuck on her past? Those idols meant something to her. Her father's idols meant something to Rachel. And so she had to lie 
to ensure she had it? What have you struggled to keep that you need to let go of? What is that thing in your past that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and telling you you need to let go, but you have refused because it means something? It means something, and so you have refused. Eventually, Rachel passes on. I mean, she dies. But to what end were those idols? For what purpose? It means that, or it meant that even as she had married Jacob, Jacob served the living God. But she, she had not fully keyed into her new status, into the new life, into her new season. She was still stuck on the past. Maybe she had proof of how those idols in her mind, had come through for her family. So it was extremely important that she took them to a new home. So what are you still holding on to, guys? Shall we rise up and just pray? And it's a very simple prayer. Just talk to God. Ask the Holy Spirit. If, you, if you're here and you, you think, I don't have any baggage, ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to see. That as you sleep tonight, you will dream dreams. You will see open visions from this evening. In fact, as, as, as we are, you are praying, the Holy Spirit is already pointing your heart to certain mindsets that need to change. To certain belief systems that need to change. So would you let the Lord walk on your heart tonight? Would you let the Holy Spirit walk on your heart tonight and transform you? Would you lay your burdens, would you lay those baggages at his feet? That baggage of rejection. Where it's as though you have been, you, you have been in a face of constant rejection. They will come, they will be your friends. But nothing will happen. Because, you know, for some strange reason, it's, it's appearing as though you're not good enough. You're not what they want. They come, they take you on a high and drop you on a low. And that has been your pattern. Tonight, an end comes to that. Because you are valuable. You are worth the blood of Jesus. So you are precious to God. Someone needs to let go of that baggage of, of shame. Shame that is holding you down from just enjoying what God has prepared for you in this season. Good friendships. It doesn't even have to be a relationship, to be honest. Some people just need to start to become friends with people, to have genuine friendships. Destiny enabling friendships. But you are so alone. You feel so alone. Some people... A mind renewal needs to happen because you have fed your mind with so much stuff. You have fed your mind with so much negative stuff. And you, you, it's almost, you are struggling to produce life. Struggling. Because you can only produce what you, what has, what you have consumed is what will come out of you. So a mind renewal, a mind transformation... Someone needs to speak to God tonight and say, I'm letting go. I'm letting go of the past. I'm letting go of the past. 
My past will not control me anymore. I refuse for my past to control me. I refuse for my past hurts, past experiences to control me. Someone is to, to pray to God tonight concerning their parents. And ask that the Lord will speak to their hearts. That in their decision making, they would follow God's leading. They will follow God's leading. That the kingdom of God will be established in and through them. They will not make decisions based on their short-sightedness concerning your life. In the name of Jesus. And if you are here, you are in a relationship that is struggling. Would you speak to God tonight and ask for direction? Ask him to help you. We declare over our lives that the atmosphere over our lives is changing, is shifting. We enter into a season of fulfillment in, of our marital destinies in the name of Jesus. That there is a coming together. Bible says that the clouds be full of rain. There is a coming together in this season. That as we yield ourselves to God, as we open up our hearts to Him, as we are fed and nourished by Him, as we listen for His voice, listen and obey His instructions, there is a coming together. Divine appointments, divine partnerships, destiny enabling relationships are birthed in the name of Jesus. Sin will not stop us, pain will not stop us, shame will not limit us from enjoying everything that God has prepared for us. We give you praise, oh God. Thank you, Father, for you at work in our lives, making us willing and able to do of your good pleasure concerning our relationships. Father, we thank you for grace to let go. We thank you for grace to forgive. Spirit, Spirit of grace, we ask that you begin to do your work in us. Begin to walk upon our hearts. Begin to transform us. Every wrong mindset, wrong mindsets, wrong belief systems, Walls that we have put up. Walls that do not align with your purpose and your plans. Tonight we declare that they come crumbling down in the name of Jesus. Defenses that have been erected in a bid to protect our hearts and shield us. We ask tonight that such defenses, we yield them to you. We trust you with our hearts. We trust you with our lives. And we ask that you have your way and let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.